Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words that are spoken and the words that are heard be blessed by you, the living word. Amen. It can be very difficult to talk about our faith. I hear this from people over and over again. People telling me that they have a hard time talking about their faith. I don't know if Philip had a hard time talking about his faith or not. As usual, the Bible doesn't tell us much about the internal life of the people we find there. So the Bible tells us that Philip talked about his faith, but we don't know whether that was comfortable for him or uncomfortable for him. Philip is one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus finds Philip one day and says, follow me, and Philip does. Shortly after that, we find the first occasion on which Philip tells somebody about Jesus. Philip says to Nathaniel, I think this Jesus guy is the one the prophets were writing about. Nathaniel is skeptical. In fact, Nathaniel says, seriously? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Philip says, come and see. Jesus himself had said, come and see, not long ago. So Philip seems to echo Jesus' own words. The next piece of information we have about Philip talking about his faith isn't much information at all. It's just one line from the book of Acts. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. And then we have today's story. An angel comes to Philip and tells him to go walk along this particular stretch of road, the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's a man traveling along that road in his chariot, and this man happens to be reading the Bible as he travels. Presumably someone else is driving. Remember, there were no Christian scriptures during the time, written down during the time when this event would have taken place. So this man is reading from the Hebrew Bible, and we learn that he's reading a passage from the prophet Isaiah. This Bible-reading man in the chariot is the one the Bible calls the Ethiopian eunuch. The Holy Spirit gives Philip a nudge and says, go over to the chariot and talk to that man. So Philip does, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? This Ethiopian eunuch replies, how can I unless someone guides me? He invites Philip to get in the chariot and sit with him, and the two men engage in conversation, first about what the Ethiopian was reading in the Bible, and then about Jesus. Our Bible doesn't give us the entire conversation, just enough to hint at what that conversation might have been like. But there are some things we know about this conversation. If the man in the chariot was an Ethiopian eunuch, then this was, in effect, a cross-cultural conversation. Philip and the man were not of the same ethnic group. They did not share a nationality. They were not of the same religion. We also know that there were some cultural barriers that would have separated them, specifically because Jewish tradition would have specified that a eunuch was unclean, unable to participate in the religious life of the community. So this is someone Philip would not have crossed paths with in the normal course of life. But the Holy Spirit often nudges us 
to reach out to people whose paths would not cross ours in the normal course of life. Today's reading about Philip suggests this, but my conviction about this is based more on the Gospels, because Jesus repeatedly breaks down societal barriers in order to cross paths with people who are outside his culture and community. Church leaders of all kinds are very interested in figuring out how to do church well. It's an entire field of study complete with thousands of books and articles and websites, I don't know, maybe millions. And amid this vast field of writing and thinking, one topic that gets a lot of attention is how Christians talk to people who do not share our faith. I'm fascinated by these writings because the great majority of people writing on this topic seem to assume that it requires some special effort to meet non-Christians. They seem to assume that Christians surround themselves with other Christians, that Christians will primarily have Christian friends, that Christians will choose to make their churches their primary communities, that it will require some special effort, that we'll have to go out of our way in order to meet people who are not Christian. I'm fascinated when I read this stuff because that doesn't match my experience at all. It doesn't match my personal experience, and it doesn't match what I have witnessed in any church I've been a part of. If you are like me, you have lots of friends who aren't Christian, probably people who aren't religious at all. You might have a spouse who's not Christian, and you certainly have neighbors who are not Christian. So in my experience, most of us are having conversations all the time with people who aren't of our own religious group, who don't share our religious beliefs, who aren't familiar with how we look at things, just like Philip when he had that conversation with that Ethiopian. And the Holy Spirit does nudge us to be connected in meaningful ways to people who are not just like us. If this is the case, and if it is also the case that many of us find it difficult to talk about our faith, how might we approach these conversations? But before I talk about how, I want to say a word about why we would want to have such conversations. It is not because we are trying to persuade or convert people. That's not who we are. But it is so we can be who we are. It is difficult to have fully authentic relationships with family and friends if we partition off part of who we are. We know this from the experience of gay and lesbian folks who've been closeted. Concealing or excluding some part of who we are limits how authentic and deep our relationships can be. So learning to talk about our faith helps us be whole in our relationships. Talking about our spirituality and why that's important to us allows us to be whole with the people we care about. And while I'm lucky and my own experience of being closeted is fairly limited, my experience suggests that we are also happier when we can be ourselves without feeling like some certain part is unacceptable to share. There's a secondary reason for us to learn to talk about our faith. There are people we know, people who are spiritual, 
people who have some sense of God in their lives, whether by that name and even if it's very intangible, people who have that but don't have support for their spirituality. They don't have a community to share that with, don't have people to talk about it with, don't have a community that offers opportunities to practice spiritual practices or opportunities to study religious beliefs. Letting someone like that know that there is a community available to them and particularly a community with a great openness to a wide range of spiritual paths, letting someone know that they have that available to them can genuinely be a gift. I'm not exaggerating when I say that for someone without such a community to find a spiritual and religious community like maybe the Davis United Methodist Church, that that can be a very precious gift. And some of you know this because it has, in fact, been a precious gift in your lives. So if we want to talk about our faith, how might we approach these conversations? I don't really know how it worked for Philip, but I have some ideas about how it might work in our day. I think talking about our faith requires that each one of us work on our own theology and work on our vocabulary. I think the first barrier to talking about our faith is often that we don't know exactly what we believe, or at least we don't know what we believe about everything. I'm willing to bet that each one of us has at least a handful of beliefs that we are clear about. Here are a few things I'm clear about. I believe it is God's very nature to love, and I believe God loves me and God loves you. I believe that God's will is for justice, and I believe that both the Old and New Testaments support this belief. I believe that God is the creator of all that is, and because I believe this, I also believe that God cares deeply about how we care for creation, both in the sense of how we care for this precious planet of ours and in how we treat each other and all living creatures because people and all creatures are part of God's created order. I could go on, but I won't. I want to really encourage you, though, as one practice you can do to practice your faith, to sit down sometime this week and give some real thought to what you believe. Write it down. Start each sentence with, I believe, and write and keep writing until you run out of things that you can clearly say about what you believe. Then keep that piece of paper and revisit it occasionally to add to it or change it as your faith evolves, because I believe faith does evolve. I think it's important and valuable for us to know what we believe, to be able to say what we believe, but another part of talking about our faith is to be comfortable with what we don't know. It's okay to say, I'm just not sure about that part. And not only is it okay, but if someone you are talking to has an image of religion as something that requires a rigid sense of certainty, then it can be a real gift for you to say, you know, I'm just not sure about that part. So I'd like us to be able to talk about what we believe and about what we don't know. I would also like to see us be comfortable with intangibles. 
I believe that faith and spirituality are full of intangibles. I believe that God is ineffable, that God is too great to be captured in words. When we talk about our faith, we are not defending a dissertation. We are not writing a proof for a geometry class where every step needs to follow logically on the last. Our best conversations about faith demonstrate a comfort with uncertainty and intangibles, even while we also express whatever beliefs we might feel convinced of. If we do these things, we will be well-equipped to express our faith, able to say what we believe, express an openness to questions and uncertainty, and acknowledge how intangible it all is. But there's still one more piece, and that's our vocabulary. If you do that exercise I'm proposing and write out what you believe, there's a good chance you will find words there that other people might not understand in the way you intend. I've become convinced through experience that we almost can't even talk about God without in some way defining who or what we mean when we say God who or what we think God is. For example, some people have heard about God in ways that make them think that God is a capricious supernatural being who dictates things that happen in ways that are not fair and not consistent and sometimes downright cruel. This is a reasonable thing to think if you have spent a lifetime hearing people say that God has a plan and every single thing that happens is part of God's plan, including a mass shooting in Columbine or an earthquake in Nepal. So if I try to talk about God, and when I say that word God, all you hear is capricious supernatural being who dictates things that happen in ways that are not fair and not consistent and sometimes downright cruel, there is no way you will understand my faith or even respect it. But if I let you know explicitly that I believe God is an intangible spirit that I can't quite explain and certainly can't pin down, an intangible spirit whose presence I feel and believe in with all my heart and my mind, a spirit of love and hope who gives me strength to navigate my days. If I let you know who God is to me as clearly as I can manage to express it, then there's a good chance you will respect my faith and maybe even begin to understand it. So consider the words you use to express your faith or talk about your spirituality. Write out those I believe statements and look at the words you find there. How would you define those words for someone who does not share your vocabulary? Articulating what you mean even when you say God, articulating who and what God is to you is a great place to start. I do think the Holy Spirit nudges us to cross paths with people whose faith and spirituality are not the same as ours. Just as surely as the Holy Spirit nudged Philip to share his faith with the Ethiopian eunuch. And I am convinced that when we learn to have these conversations, we are indeed sharing good news, very good news. And like the Ethiopian eunuch who went away rejoicing, we can spark joy 
through the authenticity and earnestness of our sharing. Amen.